hear now the word of the Lord given through the prophet Isaiah, reading Isaiah chapter 47, verses 1 to 7. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For you shall no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind flour. Put off your veil. Strip off your robe. Uncover your legs. Pass through the rivers. Your nakedness shall be uncovered, and your disgrace shall be seen. I will take vengeance, and I will spare no one. Our Redeemer... The Lord of hosts is his name, is the Holy One of Israel. Sit in silence and go into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For you shall no more be called the mistress of kingdoms. I was angry with my people. I profaned my heritage. I gave them into your hand. You showed them no mercy on the aged. You made your yoke exceedingly heavy. You said, I shall be mistress forever, so that you would not lay these things to heart or remember their end. It is a fair statement to say that the absence of humility uh, leads to humiliation. And this is expressed, I think, most clearly and tragically in the city-state of Babylon, personified as a young maiden who suffers the total loss of her glory, verses 1 to 4. She will lose everything on account of her pride, verses 5 to 7. It's a statement that is, in a sense, uh, prophetic of all mankind uh, who are outside of God. Uh, Sadly enough, there's a parallel of this same statement uh, in Israel, Uh, Joyfully, uh, it is all recovered uh, by Christ in the church. Uh, As we we walk in humility uh, in the presence of our God. Well, the story this morning is one of accountability. Uh, God gives Israel to Babylon for the sin of idolatry. Uh, We might need to be reminded of uh, this from the prophet Ezekiel. If you have your Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 23, uh, verses 30 to 31, uh, we have an acknowledgement of why Israel is going uh, into captivity. Ezekiel 23, verses 30 and 31. These things will be done to you because you have played the harlot with the nations, because you have defiled yourself with their idols. You have walked in the way of your sister, again, the northern kingdom. Therefore, I'll give her cup, cup of judgment, cup of wrath into your hand. Uh, So again, the sin of idolatry is going to be the cause of the nation uh, being uh, taken away in captivity. Uh, But in the case of Babylon, she becomes full of herself and God deals with her as he will deal with everyone that becomes full of themselves. He summons her, again, the figure of speech is uh, personification, uh, to hear the judgment expressed uh, in a number of imperatives. 
uh, it's interesting in this uh, short, very short paragraph, there are 11 imperatives. God's going to command, Babylon is going to obey. She can do nothing else. When God commands, people obey. Uh, certainly when he commands uh, in terms of uh, outside of Scripture, he speaks, people respond. And so he's going to command Babylon. Again, there's going to be an immediate response. It's a wonderful application for us uh, to grasp the sovereignty of God that God cannot be denied when he speaks in his creative voice. Uh, it's a reminder that all will give an account to God. Uh, the dominant metaphor is the humiliation of a young, beautiful, cultured, and well-to-do maiden who is dethroned and debased. Uh, the first movement, verses 1 to 4, is her loss of everything. Total, catastrophic, inevitable loss. Inevitable loss. Lady Babylon is on her throne. God commands her to come down and to sit in the dust. She will lose her luxury and all of her refinements. She becomes a common slave girl, grinding meal absent her veil and her beautiful garments. The language of nakedness in verse 3 acknowledges that she is going to be violated. Uh, the metaphor is compressed in verse 3 in the simplicity, I will take revenge and will spare no one. Uh, the words of Oswald, the commentator, are on the mark when he writes, God is supreme and no nation can stand against him. Uh, excellent reminder to us from all of the prophets, but certainly uh, there comes to my own mind uh, the prophet Daniel, uh, who writes in his second chapter in verse 21. Daniel chapter 2 in the 21st verse. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes and establishes kings, and he gives wisdom uh, to wise men. Again, in a parallel thought, Daniel chapter 4 and verse 35. And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of the heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? It is, again, a startling reminder that uh, absent humility you're going to be humiliated. That's true of an individual. It's true of a family. It's true of a nation. It's true of nations uh, because God is the only everlasting supreme. Now, I'm reminded in terms of an illustration uh, in the latter days of the Second World War when Allied forces entered and began to advance in Germany when they would come into small towns. They would find, generally speaking, all the local officials had taken their own lives. For a season, they had ridden a great and powerful wave, and then the season is over. And they suffered catastrophic and total loss. I'm reminded of the psalmist who writes in Psalm 73, Thou dost set them in slippery places, and in a moment they are destroyed. And so the queen of Ab pardon me, Babylon is absent humility, and it leads to her humiliation. So that's her defilement by God in judgment. Let's look at the cause, verses 5 to 7. 
This movement starts exactly the way the first movement started. God says sit. Uh, but here there's a change from dust to sit silently. Uh, notice the parallel. You will no longer be called queen of kingdoms, verse 5. In the first movement, she was described as tender and delicate, as you might imagine, a wealthy, uh, cultured, uh, perhaps educated, uh, remarkably beautiful woman that loses everything. And now she's told to be utterly silent. She is stripped of everything, both literally and spiritually. A secondary cause of her punishment is that God gave Israel to Babylon for punishment, but she oversteps her bounds. And the primary cause is her pride. Again, look at verse 7. Isaiah chapter 47, verse 7. You said, I shall be a queen forever. These things you did not consider, nor remember the outcome of them. Babylon failed to reckon that in the end, God must be dealt with. In the end, everyone will give an account to God. It's true of an individual, a family, a nation, a company, all who sit in power. Everyone who's ever lived will stand before God. And Babylon has abused her power, and God is going to call her into account. I'm reminded once again of the words of Moses, who writes in Deuteronomy chapter 32, in due time, their foot shall slip. That's a reminder to all of us that we look at people who abuse power, who abuse their wealth, their riches, their beauty, who abuse everything because they do not acknowledge God and they seem to live forever. And then we do what oftentimes men do to acknowledge them. We put their names on buildings or we call a product after them. But the word of God has the truth. In due time, their foot will slip. It's a reminder in terms of our lives as individual Christians, as a church, that we are to be humble before God. Uh, we are to reckon that God deals in a violent way with those who are proud and vain. In due time, Moses says, their foot will slip. Uh, this is a, a constant description in the Old Testament. Uh, you think you are God. Uh, you usurp God's prerogatives, and God will destroy you. Uh, and usurping God's prerogatives are the same by saying, there is no God. I'm a God. I make my own way. I make my own rules. You have made yourself to be a God, and God will destroy you. In due time, your foot will slip. It will come for you. And the lack of humility will lead to catastrophic and total and irrevocable humiliation. There's a, a picture of this, of a city-state, a book of Ezekiel, uh, 28th chapter, Ezekiel chapter 28, uh, verses 2 and 19. Uh, the city-state is Tyre. Verse 2, Son of man, say to the leader of Tyre, thus says the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up and you have said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of gods in the heart of the seas, yet you are a man and not God. Although you make your heart like the heart of a god, you will be destroyed. Uh, 19th verse is a description of this. All who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have become terrified, and you will be no more. 
The judgment is replayed over and over again throughout history. It's a constant theme, whether it be an individual, a family, a company, a ruler, a nation, a group of nations, the absence of humility is going to bring utter, total, catastrophic humiliation. Uh, the Apostle John, as uh, I trust you know from the book of the Revelation, uses Babylon of old as a type of the economic and religious system that is present, present in our world today. It corrupts its adherents. It persecutes the people of God. Uh, economics and religion become joined uh, because the trade guilds of ancient Rome had patron idols that the members served and worshipped for prosperity. John is going to tell us as the prophet Isaiah has told us that she is going down with all who are aligned with her. It's a statement that's captured for us in the words of the 18th chapter of the book of the Revelation. Startling words that interrupt those who are proud and vain. Revelation chapter 18 in verse 2. And he cried out with a mighty voice saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. And she has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison for every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. It's an announcement of judgment upon the present world system uh, that is the govern governing philosophy of the world in which you and I live, captured after the name of ancient Babylon, the queen of Babylon that's going to be dethroned and utterly destroyed. Uh, the cause, again, John, very parallel to the words of the prophet Isaiah. In fact, he is alluding, I think, to the chapter that we are studying. To the degree, verse 7, Revelation chapter 18, that she glorified herself, and lived sensuously to the same degree, give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. And then in a moment, it's all taken from the world in which we live. It's very interesting to look at the description of this queen. Uh, the 16th verse of Revelation 18. Woe, woe to the great city. She who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. This is a description of the garments of the high priest of Israel. In other words, the world system is a false religion masquerading as true. God will protect the true. He'll destroy the false. And the saints are enjoined, as you know, from from not participating uh, with her. The security and wealth she offers is false. The danger is the spirit of idolatry that is pervasive because safety and security are only found in the one true and only, only God of the scriptures. And so John writes to the church, come out from among her. She's suffering. Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. So, the prophet Isaiah and the apostle John are describing for us uh, 
the present world system and the metaphor personification of a beautiful queen who's going to be dethroned. Uh, we know that she's going to be dethroned, and we know that the cause of her dethronement is pride and vanity. Uh, she's going to be judged. She's going down. This entire present world philosophical system, its governing thoughts, its governing religion, its government, its people, all who belong to her are going to be judged and destroyed. But there is one who is not. There's another woman who is not going to be destroyed. She's going to be embraced. Again, Revelation chapter 12 is a description of this woman. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and pain to give birth. It's a reference, I believe, to the Messianic community or the people of God. Description of her obviously is amplified in the rest of the text, but let's look at three verses. Verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she might be nourished for 1,260 days. It's an allusion to the nation of Israel that escapes Egypt and goes into the wilderness. That you and I as the church are going to follow a similar path. God takes us in the wilderness where he will protect us, feed us, water us, and give us further amplification of his grace as he leads us. Verse 14, and the two wings of a great eagle were given to the woman in order that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. Again, that's an allusion to the Old Testament, a description of the nation of Israel who mounts up with the wings of eagles and is led to the wilderness where she is nourished. You and I are the greater people of God. Uh, God nourishes us by his presence. Verse 16, and the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out after its mouth. Again, another allusion to the nation of Israel. Uh, she has to go by way of the Red Sea, but God causes the dry ground uh, to preserve and to protect his people in the Old Testament. But it also applies to us. God protects us. He causes the earth to drink up all of the deceptive words that he might preserve and keep us. The world today is a place of utter deception. Sadly to say, many churches are places of deception, but God protects his people from those deceptions because he loves his people and preserves and keeps them forever. Uh, there's also a beautiful description of the woman. She wears a crown of 12 stars, a reference to the 12 tribes, to the 12 apostles. Uh, the crowns express the church's share in Christ's kingship and the reward for their victory over persecution and compromise. Again, a marvelous description of the people of God that you and I know as the church wearing crowns because God rewards her for being faithful and for not compromising. While the queen of Babylon is destroyed, this queen is rewarded with a crown and protected by God. There's another beautiful description of this woman, as you know, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. 
verses 25 to 27. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. There's a message of judgment, but there's a parallel message of the grace of God. He loves his church. He loves his people. He washes her and sanctifies her with his word. The gospel of Christ. There's protection, safety from judgment in Christ and in Christ alone. Here's the ultimate cause of her faithfulness, that Christ purchased and ransomed himself for her to the end that she would become beautiful. The queen of Babylon is made ugly. Christ makes his queen beautiful by his power and by his word. In other words, the purchase by Christ secures the ultimate destiny of his bride, the church, the people of God, whether old or new, all who God has purchased by his son, the Lord Jesus. Very interesting to me, our culture is about wealth and certainly it's about beauty. You see it everywhere, billboards, you can't look at any magazine without reading some description of some potion, some pill, uh, some way to become beautiful. And again, there's nothing wrong in a measure with that. And we should all care for our bodies uh, because we should be good stewards. But the greater reality is that the world pursues it as an end in and of itself and for pride. Hey, look at me. Hey, watch me. Hey, I'm better than you. That's pride. And the absence of humility will lead to humiliation. True beauty can only be found and is found in Christ his eternal power, his eternal word, his eternal presence. We get it in Christ. And all who are absent Christ will be made to sit in the dust, be made to be silent before the judgments of God. But the church will be made by the glory and the majesty of Jesus Christ, astoundingly, irrevocably beautiful, in the most pristine way that we cannot even imagine. Another beautiful description of the bride of Christ, uh, the analog to Queen Babylon, uh, Revelation chapter 19, in verses 7 to 8. One woman is going to be destroyed, the other preserved and protected, enter into eternity. Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 and 8. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. And it was given to her clothes her, herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Very interesting to me that the grace of God in a beautiful way is, uh, is manifest here. Uh, she is described as a bride who has made herself ready. She has a transformed life. You and I know that uh, the people of God partake in a great element of our redemption called sanctification. Uh, in that sense, we participate in making ourselves ready. We lay hold of the means of grace described in Scripture, and we participate by the power of the Spirit of God in a transformed life, being made beautiful, getting ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. But notice there's something that is perhaps 
just as remarkable, the grace of God. Verse 8, and it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen are the righteous acts of the saints. Beautiful description of the gospel. It was given to her. God gives to his bride. God gives to us. It's not insignificant that this verb is in the passive voice, meaning that God in his grace acts upon us, totally absent our participation. I'm not saying that participation in the means of grace are unimportant. They are not. They are manifestly important. But behind it all is the grace of God preparing us, readying us, giving to us that we might be made ready for Christ. He's coming for us, an entrance into the glories of eternity made beautiful by the word of his power. The faithfulness of the bride of Christ is the product of the grace of God. If you're not a Christian, you have to be clothed. You have to be stripped like the queen of Babylon is going to be stripped. And then believing in Christ, you are clothed with his righteousness and the remarkable acts of his obedience and the merits of his works on behalf of his church. The answer for judgment, the answer for the end that will befall Queen Babylon is the cross, Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The beckoning call of Scripture is to leave Babylon, its city, its false beauty, its allurements, its passions, its sensuality, and flee into the wilderness with Christ your Redeemer. May God in his grace lead you to that wonderful point where you come to the knowledge of him. And what do you get when you come to the knowledge of him? Revelation chapter 61 and verse 10. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. God has a bride. He is preparing his bride. You and I live in the age in which Queen Babylon is present. We also live in an age in which the church of Christ is present the bride of Christ, the church, the people of God. I trust you belong to the latter instead of the former. The former will be dethroned. She is full of herself. She is proud. She is vain. That will lead to the ultimate estate of her eternal ugliness. You and I come together as a ragged people of God. We wander for a season in a wilderness led by the great spirit, and all along our journey, God is making us beautiful, and he will finish the project when he comes to claim us for his own in the marriage supper of the Lamb. There are, ladies and gentlemen, metaphorical reality, two women in this world portrayed as wives. One is full of earthly beauty, but is vain and proud. She lacks humility and is going to be humiliated and irrevocably destroyed. The other is made beautiful by Christ, and she is faithful to him. She will be vindicated and glorified. And she will become the most remarkable 
beautiful bride that can ever be imagined with clothing so remarkable it will take our breath away and yet we will participate in just that, the majesty of the grace of God. You belong, ladies and gentlemen, to one tribe or the other. And Christ is the bridge from one tribe to the other.